Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Thursday, June 16th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, we talk with Republican congressional candidate Michael Cassidy. Then a lawsuit alleges a new Mississippi law improperly funnels federal money to private schools. And how can you keep yourself and others safe during this year's first heat wave? We'll talk about that. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The Republican primary in Mississippi's deep red third district is headed to a runoff. On yesterday's show, incumbent Congressman Michael Guest told us primary voters should think twice before casting a ballot for his opponent, Michael Cassidy. We just want to make sure that people know the difference between who I am and what I stand for and who he is. That we need somebody in our state um, who knows Mississippi, knows our interests, has been working and fighting for Mississippi for their entire life, not someone who has just moved to Mississippi and decided to run for Congress. Cassidy is a relative unknown. He works as a pilot, and this race is his first foray into politics. But he performed well in the initial Republican primary. In fact, he earned a few more votes than guessed. Cassidy tells us he wasn't surprised by that result. I knew that we were going to do pretty well. Um, the the reaction that we had throughout the district whenever we would go do events, whenever we would go um, and knock on doors, whenever we would have people reach out to the campaign is overwhelmingly positive. And I understand the base voter in the Mississippi 3rd District that we are a very conservative district, that we expect that our representatives are going to be uh, firm fighters for pro-life beliefs. So that means not giving money to Planned Parenthood like the current congressman, uh, Mr. Guest, has. And like I have pledged that I will never give a dime to Planned Parenthood. And that really, that delineation, that that makes a big difference. The other thing is that the people, so many people in the district were just absolutely shocked to know that Mr. Guest voted for the Benny Thompson written January 6th commission bill that called people Uh, Everybody that was there that day, regardless of uh, if you were uh, one of the handful of people that committed violence um, or you were one of the tens of thousands of people that were there uh, peaceful, uh, you were labeled a domestic terrorist. And that struck people the wrong way. And uh, that was something that Mr. Guest has. He has refused to back down from that vote. Uh, And when people know about it, they are overwhelmingly of, of somebody new. Uh, the well, I'll tell you, I have uh, spoken yeah. to the congressman, and he said that the initial issue of having a bipartisan investigation was what he voted for, that he didn't vote for what actually turned out to be a House Select Committee um, and took issue with some of the Republicans that were denied being on that committee. So I want to clarify the, that. We talked with him well, yesterday. To clarify, to clarify the clarification, uh, he was bipartisan in the, uh, only in uh, the fact that it was him and Benny Thompson from Mississippi that voted for him. Every other Republican voted no. Everybody in Republican leadership voted no. 
and that to call it bipartisan is uh, a, a stretch. And he never addresses the point that it the legislation called everybody there a domestic terrorist. That's not bipartisan. That is the language of Benny Thompson, and that is what Michael Guest put his name next to. Uh, and if he really cared about what was uh, going on on January 6th, then he would have said something at some point over the past year about the political prisoners being held uh, who, again, nonviolent people who have been held without due process rights that Mr. Guest has been more than willing to ignore. Based on your website, it is no longer there, but the initial election, you ran on Medicare for all, no age limit, stipends for that married couples. That is incorrect. That is incorrect. That is incorrect. Let me finish. Uh, Medicare for all, no age limit, stipends for married couples, 20000 and then they have to pay it back if they're divorced, universal basic income for families and children, 250 for couples per month, 500 uh, for children 10 to 17. Where did this come from if it didn't come from your website? Well, you no, know, you said that I ran on that, and never once have I ever put that out on any campaign ad or literature. It or was anything. on your website, correct? Uh, that it was not part of the campaign. It was, this was from a. Was it on the your website, the, sir? Well, I'm now you want me to let me finish. The uh, for it, yes, for a about a week or so that I was taken as I was working out uh, policy proposals. I took what I knew, which is military, and I looked at the at what uh, we have Tricare. Everybody's got Tricare, military health care, and I thought, well, maybe everybody could uh, have the option. Um, and I said, and after a week or so, I said, that's, that's a bad idea. And so, uh, I determined, uh, that I took that down because that's not my policy. It's never been my platform. There's never been anybody that I've said, this is what we want because that's not what I want. Uh, I took a pledge to, uh, to not raise taxes, uh, or to oppose all efforts to increase income taxes. And so this is again, a, a huge stretch for the, for Mr. Guest to uh, to say that, the, for even you, um, to say that I ran on that because I didn't. Uh, I simply well, if did it's not. on your website, uh, it it's briefly, going to be associated it was, it was, with you because you are a candidate. A so if it's on the website, and if you have questions the, about policy that you're not sure about, why would you post it? Wouldn't you investigate it first? The uh, the. I have already answered that question that that was not a uh, that that has never been something that I've campaigned on. And then the next thing that you talk about for uh, a part of a family plan that I wanted to without additional revenues that take money from. uh, And again, this is not my platform, uh, but that I had thought about uh, reshuffling already allocated federal money to places to non-friendly family formation to helping families out because families are suffering in this nation for decades. We've had uh, family formations have been uh, downhill with fertility rates are downhill. Uh, We have left attacking just about every institution um, that was once cherished in America. Um, And then a week or so ago, people started saying, Hey, are this, uh, is this really the most conservative way to uh, to have a family plan? And I thought about it, and I said, you know what, uh, you know, we can uh, we can do better. We can we can improve on this. And so I, I uh, decided to go with child tax deductions, so allow people to keep more of their own hard earned income. Uh, and again, that other plan that we um, uh, that was never anything that was part of the campaign. It, yes, it was on the website, 
but it was never part of any literature, never part of any ad, never part of anything that I talked with any about on the campaign trail. Uh, and it's something that uh, certainly it deserves more attention. Uh, and once I put more attention on it, then we, uh, we, we've got the plan that we've got today. Have you been grounded for shooting video without permission near a military plane? I was grounded due to temporarily grounded. I actually, just before we, uh, uh, before we're speaking right now, I just did a flight um, that the Navy was unhappy with my positions, my policy positions that I want to get rid of the, that what I want to do is have the military focus on lethality and focus on merit. And that right now, just like so many other institutions, whether it's uh, education, whether it's the bureaucracy, whether it's the universities, and now the military have been taken over by these leftist impulses of uh, this diversity, equity, inclusion stuff, and to have race and sex be used to address promotions or for um, also for, uh, for various jobs that they use these as criteria. And that's wrong because it takes away from the lethality of the military. And that's the number one, that's the point of the military, to protect our nation and our nation's interests. And that it's not about uh, checking off some boxes uh, that make people in HR happy. It's about killing people. And that is what we have to get back to in uh, the Department of Defense. Why are you running for congressman? Because I'm fed up with the way that our nation has declined over the previous few decades and that I'm very worried about our current path. Should we, uh, what's going to happen in the next 10 or 20 years, if we I mean, shoot, what's going to happen in a year uh, if we keep going on the same path? And I see people both on the left and the right that are either actively encouraging its decline or are just simply happy to be congressmen and don't really care. They're fiddling while Rome burns, essentially. Uh, and that includes our current congressman, uh, Mr. Guest, that he has uh, he is not going to fight uh, to help turn uh, turn the ship around uh, for our nation. Um, he is continually uh, just part of the, the long term decline. And we've got to get fighters in there that um, will actually fight. Have you expressed admiration for Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia? I, I believe that just like. Uh, President Trump, one of the things that people like about Miss Green is that she's a fighter uh, and that she uh, is not she doesn't back down to uh, people critiquing her, uh, that she is uh, she's got a lot of energy and fight in her. And so she's part of the Freedom Caucus. That's a group that uh, certainly I would like to be a part of uh, if elected. I'd be the first person from the Freedom Caucus because Mississippi is such a conservative state that you would think that we we should have somebody who is part of the freedom uh, part of the freedom caucus there out of our three representatives but uh, none of them none of them have chosen to do that and I'm not surprised about mr. guest but uh, you know that's something that uh, we need to look at as a, as a whole what will you be doing from now until June 28th the day of the runoff uh, we're gonna be working hard we're gonna be out in the district we're gonna be talking with uh, with people that we hadn't had contact with before. Uh, we're going to be talking with people that we already did to just, again, let people know that the election on June 28th, we have another election uh, and that we got the most votes the first time around. And we're looking forward to getting the most votes the second time around, too. Well, Michael Cassidy, we appreciate you taking the time to speak with us about your candidacy. 
for Congress and what you're doing. And um, we'll see how things roll out on June 28th. Of course. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Coming up, a lawsuit alleges a new Mississippi law improperly funnels COVID relief money to private schools. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. A new lawsuit accuses Mississippi of violating its own constitution by directing $10 million in American Rescue Plan pandemic relief funds to private schools. The advocacy group Parents for Public Schools filed the suit yesterday. They're asking a chancery judge to block the independent school's infrastructure grant program. Legislators passed two bills in April. One creates the program and the other funds it as of July 1st. Joanne Mickens is executive director of Parents for Public Schools. She speaks with MPB's Kobe Vance. Well, it appears that um, about $10 million in ARPA funds have been designated to go to uh, infrastructure for private schools. And According to the way we read the Mississippi Constitution, that appears to be against what lawmakers or the writers of the Constitution intended. It appears that to um, to give money to anything other than free schools uh, is prohibited by the Constitution. Some people might ask if it's a private school, uh, why is it any different than private businesses getting funding through the through the American Rescue Plan Act? What what do you see of this as being different from those? Well, if the American Rescue Plan Act designated money to businesses, then that is a part of that act. But my understanding is that when the federal government transfers money to the states, that money becomes the state's money. And if our state is guided by our Constitution, then those funds should be spent in accordance with what the Constitution lays out. If this is allowed to continue, what do you think this what precedent do you think this is at for Mississippi? Well, I believe any action that we take that allows money to be funneled from the public schools to those that are not free to all children is a mistake and against the law. What impact do you think this could have on children in Mississippi um, if this funding is being rerouted to those private entities? Well, if you look at where most of the children of of Mississippi are educated, most of the children in Mississippi are educated in public schools. And those public schools have been underfunded for for several years. And when I say underfunded, I mean underfunded according to state law. And so um, in in our view, um, and when I say our, I mean parents of public schools believes that public dollars should not go. To fund public, to fund private schools or non-free schools, and it seems that the state constitution agrees with us. We're just against, on principle, vouchers and any other uh, mechanism that diverts money from uh, public schools to private ones. This bill is set to take place um, coming up at the end of the month, or specifically yes. at the start of next month. Do you think this lawsuit will have any uh, effect on delaying that or? potentially 
pausing that money from going out? That is our hope, for sure. The ultimate goal is to keep that $10 million and have it go to uh, public schools. Joanne Mickens is Executive Director for Parents for Public Schools. Uh, Joanne, thank you for talking with us today. It's been my pleasure. Still ahead, how to survive the heat wave. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. It's hot in Mississippi this week, as you know. In some cases, it can be dangerous. Dr. Kendall McKenzie is chair of emergency medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. He speaks with Mississippi Edition producer Rob Lane. Anytime we have an increase in temperatures, a significant increase in temperatures like we're experiencing now with elevated humidity and heat indexes into the triple digits, there is a risk for heat-associated illnesses and individuals being exposed to the heat for prolonged periods of time and and then suffering some consequences associated with that. Um, And we will, in the emergency department, start seeing an uptick in those patients that come in. We have seen, I mean, we're seeing a a few now come through the doors. It's, It's not a, I wouldn't say it's a significant number of patients right now. It's not like a heat wave coming through Chicago where they're just never prepared for this. Um, Those of us who have grown up in the South kind of expect this every year to come through um, and recognize some of the times that we need to take a break or drink some additional water and so forth and so on. But we do start seeing an uptick in these patients showing up to to the hospital. Who's most at risk? Who do you worry about the most this time of year in terms of heat? So the elderly population is always at risk whenever, whenever you know we have we have increased temperatures. Um, their their ability to to acclimatize to the heat um, is lessened as they get older. They're also typically on some medications um, that cause increased risks when exposed when when, it, when exposed to to heat for prolonged period of times um so definitely definitely the elder elderly population um psychiatric patients as well um take medications that um that cause them to have some increased risk when they're ex- associated when they're exposed to heat as well um school age kids who are out but they're doing sporting events during the summer those those individuals are are at increased risk as well um, just because they're outside running around um, and frequently don't replete the water that they've lost or the electrolytes that they've that they've lost while they're while they're doing sporting events, and just general generally individuals who are working outside, um, landscape professionals, um, roadway workers, those people that are constantly exposed to heat and it's challenging for them to get the adequate get adequate breaks away from the heat during the course of the day. Um, those are the ones that are, that are at, most, at most risk. We hear about heat stroke and also heat exhaustion. Can you talk us through from a little bit of a medical perspective, but hopefully you know, in a way that, that, that normal people like me can kind of follow what happens to the body when it overheats and when that can become serious? Yeah, so, um, you know, it is, it is definitely, heat illness is definitely a continuum um, of diseases. 
And heat exhaustion, like you like you mentioned, is one of those, um, which is the the less emergent one. Um, heat stroke being the being the more emergent one. Um, and usually the 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 textbook difference between those um, would be increased temperatures and any neurological manifestations, altered mental status that would define heat stroke as opposed to heat exhaustion. Anybody who has who has been exposed to the heat and has altered mental status, their first stop needs to be the emergency department. They need to come immediately to to an emergency department and get some get some help. Um, individuals who are on the on the lower end of that spectrum um, and would be considered just heat exhaustion. Uh, the the first steps are getting out of the heat, getting away from the heat, um, cooling down and drinking fluids if you can um, and starting to replace that that you know the water loss and the electrolyte loss um, and you know depending on the severity of symptoms that somebody has it, it the only place they can go may be the emergency department whether it's heat exhaustion or heat stroke um, somebody could have heat exhaustion and have significant cramps nausea vomiting you know, if if the symptoms are that bad, they need to come to the emergency department. Um, if you if you can start recognizing that you may be trending in that in that direction and get out of the heat and start some of those you know self aid measures, start drinking fluids um, and 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 you know getting away from that heat exposure. If you can do that, you may prevent yourself coming from from the to the emergency department. But otherwise, you need to come in. Is this sort of the time of year to really make sure you're not leaving your kids in cars even for running a really short errand? Ab- absolutely. Anytime you leave a child in a car, especially this time of year, um, you are increasing the chance that they could suffer a medical emergency. Um, it, cars are one of the worst places for kids to be in in the summertime. Um, you know, when the air conditioner is running and the car is moving, that's not an issue. But Thinking that you're going to park a car somewhere and turn it off, leave the kid in the back seat, and run in real quick for a two or three minute venture into a store, and you're going to be right back back out. That's just that's just asking for disaster to occur. Um, I think everybody needs to keep in keep in mind that children die every year because they've been left in a vehicle, um, and that is completely preventable. Um, so everybody needs to be cognizant of that right now. Dr. Kendall McKenzie is chair of emergency medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Stick around for a full morning of Mississippi Radio. Coming up at 9, it's Creature Comforts. Then at 10, it's AutoCorrect. And at 11, don't miss Southern Remedy. Find past installments of this and other Think Radio shows online at mpbonline.org. The House Judiciary Sixth Committee will air live today beginning at noon. Want to give you a reminder on that. Stay with MPB. They're expected to reveal the intense pressure they say former President Donald Trump placed on Vice President Mike Pence not to certify the 2020 election. I'm Desiree Frazier. We'll see you tomorrow on Mississippi Edition at 830.